listen, fuckhead. You know, yeah, you, you, you can do whatever you want to do. You can put me on mute. You can turn the goddamn channel for all I care. What the fuck are you doing? And you're listening to us now. So obviously you hit the fucking mute switch night, asshole. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Grumble. Uh, I'm your host, Graham, and with me, as part of Summerfest, sitting to my left, the Royal Grumble's champion of the universe. It's Dan. How are you doing, Dan? All right. Splendid. And sitting to my right, the Royal Grumble's Mojo Rawley. It's Daryl. Hi. That's the worst thing you could have said about him. <laughs> That's definitely the worst insult I've made at you. He said, said worse things off air. That is true. Yeah. You, probably about five minutes ago. Actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've cut them all out. Uh, so, like I said, Summerfest, it's my turn this week. I'm going to be talking about my three favourite matches from SummerSlam. Uh, all through the SummerSlam's history, one of which I was in tenders for. You'll find out which one in due course. But before that, I think we should talk a little bit about Battleground. Battleground happened. Uh, Daryl didn't watch it. No. Dan, you did? Yeah. You, you watched a bit of it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I skimmed through it and seen highlights and stuff like that, so I can contribute a little bit. Well, I knew. I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was a decent show. Uh, a lot of clean finishes and lots of cool stuff happened. And the how the show started was a great way to start and it really was yeah i loved that so just to remind the listeners of course it was last sunday and we had sasha banks and a mystery partner against uh charlotte and dana brooke whose name i briefly forgot so that shows you how much of an impact she's had and sasha's mystery partner was bailey bailey it was brilliant i was really happy for bailey it, it was really nice to see sasha banks that huge smile on her face like just so excited for what was about to happen and the crowd went all crazy for it and it was a lovely moment. It was really nice. Like, did you see on Bailey's Twitter, she's been retweeting people who were like filming their yeah. kids' reactions and stuff like that. I, I retweeted one of them on our Twitter account, twitter.com slash royalgrumblepod. And I, these are the people that WWE needs to be pushing Bailey towards. These are the fans that they can tap into the sort of market for, if you like, that they're maybe not got anybody who currently fills that void. I mean, look at um, Izzy at NXT, the girl is always front row. There's got to be like thousands of little kids like her. The only difference is their parents can't afford to take them to NXT every week. They're not in the area. Or that fucking kid. <laughs> right, fuck that fucking kid. <laughs> I'm not having it. How many minutes in is that that Daryl's already had to go to a child? <laughs> I think I think that's that's the longest you've been so far, Daryl. Ah, it's just she's just annoying, isn't she? Uh, well, yeah, but look, yeah. She's a little wrestling yeah, fan. But, yeah, she's alone. a kid. You were one of them once. I go didn't to the Doncaster Dome. Go to one PW. Uh, I don't know any money. <laughs> did you did you go to that fake wrestling show at Doncaster Dome? By the way, I really wanted to go to it, but my my mum and dad won't let me because it had fake wrestlers on it, and I was like. Oh, but future Daryl was really going to hate that you wouldn't let him go because I want to see Underfaker. I want to see Legion of Doom, which is one man. Tell you what, I always remember. Legend of Doom. Is it right? The Legend of Doom. I always remember when I was a kid, there was a show that had a load of fakes on it and stuff, a WAF. And the what thing it was like all these fake wrestlers, and then it had the actual British Bulldog in it. It was when he first got fired from WWF. Right. And my mum would not take me. Is that a bit like China's Queen of the Ring, where he's got actual China, then loads of like. Um, 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 no, similar, similar, yeah. 
So it's really great that women's wrestling is getting such prominence <laughs> in WWE right now. Uh, uh, do you still hate Bailey, Daryl? Um, Bailey's grown on me. Um, I I don't like the entrance just because I'm a miserable bastard. And the amount of like grown men who wear. I'm yeah, that's what. Yeah. I think that's what annoys me more. Like Bailey's a decent wrestler. I've, I've she's grown on me as a wrestler and stuff like that, but. It's the weird. It's the weird fans. You can be a fan of women's wrestling. That's fine. Some women's wrestlers I'm a fan of as well. But don't. Oh, oh I'm a hugger. Oh, yeah, I, uh, uh, that does annoy me because well. I imagine they want to hug Bailey's actual fans. Yeah. <laughs> That's a paedophile joke. <laughs> oh God. Ah, uh. listeners, you. We may have just cut two gold jokes out I don't know but I'm just saying no they're both staying, they're staying in good yeah. there you go yep enjoy that uh, it felt like a one off for Bailey for the time being and I think they explicitly said a couple of I, times I was going to say it felt like it or JBL said it about 60 times he kept yeah. saying it like yeah she's here for one time only just made that show one did, time only did they explain because like I said I've not seen the full thing did they explain why she wasn't drafted because it seems very odd they do the draft show and then go Oh, look how over this person is. Look how good she is. But we didn't draft her. They sort of did. They didn't really. But they made a point that she's staying on NXT because she's focused on regaining the NXT Women's Championship. Okay. So whilst I don't think it's a really good excuse, you can at least go, well, if she wants to regain the title, then yeah. you know, I get that. And it was a really great crowd, actually. The whole crowd at the Battleground pay-per-view were brilliant. Uh, they were electric from the get-go. And I think yeah. Bailey getting that reaction, it, it almost brought a tear to my eye, actually. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm... You know, perfectly secure in my manhood, and saying <laughs> she, uh, she really deserved that. And if she never gets anything else, we'll at least always have that moment where she was, you know, possibly the most yeah. over person on the show. I think. Yeah. I think it'd be a shame if they didn't bring her up eventually. Especially now, now they've yeah. got hard evidence of a show where, in front of an arena, she raised the roof. Yeah. There's, there's no reason not to now. Having not seen the show, I don't want to keep starting a sentence with that, but. Would you say she got the best reaction? Because like I said, I've not seen who came out and stuff like that. I think one of the best like pops for an entrance. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of sustained reaction, maybe not. But like in terms of the anticipation and then the, the sheer like excitement when her music hit, yeah, I would say so. Do you know what I wish they'd have done? I wish that they'd have said, right, here's, here's a partner, and then it's getting ready, getting ready. And then fucking Eva Marie came out. Can you, <laughs> can you imagine the, the fucking booze? If Sasha was a heel, or if they were turning a heel, that would be brilliant. After this was new... Oh, do you want to talk about what happened on Raw before we move on to... Oh, we can quickly go for all the background stuff, yeah. and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, fair Raw enough, that's fine. Well, uh, New Day and Wyatt's... Uh, this was pretty decent. Yeah, in terms was, of a six man I, I love the little thing with Xavier Woods being scared of Bray Wyatt, and then overcoming it, and then getting scared again. Yeah, I liked the psychological yeah. aspect of it. It was pretty cool, clever. Um, I feel like it was probably a sensible result, even though the Wyatts are splitting up, because I guess you need to at least give them some kind of momentum if they're going to go into whatever they're going into. Yeah. And it makes Bray look strong as he goes on to probably being... If he's not going to be a single star, then he's definitely only leading a reduced Wyatt family yeah. on SmackDown. The thing I wanted to mention about this match is Biggie really needs to stop doing that spear to the outside. Oh, yeah. This was the worst idiot, one. It was just... I've seen a lot of ridiculous head drops this past week and stuff on what having to watch all the G1 shows, and that was the worst thing I'd seen. It was just, oh, stop doing it, please. I don't want him to break his neck and be out for a long time because it'd fuck up the new day too, and they're actually quite enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. He just needs to pack that, pack, pack it all together. Yeah, it's a great pop. Yeah, just 
pack it in. There's no reason why he can't do a similar move, just barge them off the apron. He doesn't have to dive off himself. Yeah. Uh, US title match, uh, I guess you were happy about that, Dan. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Apart from the end bit. Um, I told you about Mojo, didn't I? I told you. Yeah, Mojo Riley coming out to save him, and then Rusev tweeting, it. some fan got in the ring. <laughs> that was quite funny, I've got to say. That was pretty amusing. Raw gun exclusive. No. We told you so. Complete no sell, so that was fun. There was a segment with Foley and a bunch of people. I don't even know who else was in the segment. I just remember writing down how Foley, you homeless looking fuck. <laughs> it was <laughs> Stephanie doing her like big grin. He was wearing, and, uh, he was wearing a big Seth. green flannel shirt this time. It just Santa colours, red and green. Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens. Fucking yes. <laughs> Brilliant match. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's interesting. I went through sort of a whole gamut of emotions during this match. I actually feel like, and this may be a very out there prediction, I might be wrong, I feel like these two are going to form a tag team before the year's out because the whole thing beforehand of emphasising that this was going to be the end of a feud or whatever, it's like it probably won't be the end of the feud. I guess we'll find out. But it all felt like they were building up as if there's been so much tension and so much tension and so much tension and then actually they might work better together. I think there's a high potential for that to happen. It's a bit like sexual tension, isn't it? it no, no, it's not. It was no, it's between not. Shane and Stephanie no. when they're like flirting with each other and then... What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing this week? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> this is what happens when he hasn't had something to do. He hasn't watched the show, so he's like, well, how can I contribute? Hmm, let's make some really inappropriate jokes. <laughs> there was one point during this match I, I can't remember what it was that made me think about it I was like Sammy might not have it to succeed in the WWE and I actually what? I know what? that's gonna, that's, that'll sound really weird and by the end of the match I was sort of completely turned around on the matter but I can't remember what it was there was something he did part way through there was something to do with facial expressions or something I was a bit like I just I just got this feeling that they weren't going to get behind him and by the end of the match I was completely turned around on it you know what you're saying about the tag team stuff just to actually contribute to the show. Okay. Um, a few weeks back, Jericho had them both on highlight reel, didn't he? And that segment ended with them both super kicking him, or one is it Sammy doing the halluva kick and it's Kevin yeah. super kicked in the yeah. halluva kick. Yeah, yeah. So that was sort of them teaming up. Yep. To beat him up. So well, maybe think, maybe it's like laying a little seed for. I think, later. Bit, I think it's a bit of a slow burn. I don't even know why I'm getting the. Uh, the feeling of it, but I think it might be a bit of a slow burn. I'd quite like to see it. Like the finish was definitely like this is a feud ender, but then it still felt like they've got one more match in them. Well, they're on the like, same brand, aren't they? Yeah, so... they, they've got one more big match in them. I think. I think this match did one thing that they haven't been doing in previous matches, which was pretty good. Is that it started to establish the Haluva kick as a proper finisher? Because yeah. if you notice recently, when Sammy's been winning matches, he's been winning with like weird roll ups and stuff. So to actually use that, albeit you know twice. That was pretty good. They did that brain buster on the apron as well. As well as the botched Springboard Moonsault. <laughs> that was pretty difficult to look at. Like the, uh, I don't know if he actually hurt his arm, but either way, they worked in as if he had. That was Also, when he did it, he went to do his dive through the ropes and he got super kicked. You know, the, the one that he does on the outside near yeah. the corner? The camera missed that completely. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> so, like, it was a major spot in the match <laughs> that got completely missed. But... I thought the commentary was actually pretty good on this. Yeah, they on, did a good job on this, this match as well. They yeah, told they... the story really well, and yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Yep. Great match. Ultimately, yeah. the quality of the talent was what got it over, but nonetheless, really good match. Really enjoyed it. Then we had a couple of pee breaks. Becky and Natty, I think. It wasn't a terrible was match. It just, yeah, it was just a bit, yeah. Yeah. It was there. They had, they had a few, it, slightly weird ending with Becky tapping out. That was a bit yeah. odd, wasn't it? 
They had a nice skit with Dean and the SmackDown general managers. That was pretty fun. Like seeing best Shane. Dean's been put over in his in the entire WB career. Yeah, although Daniel Bryan, like for a second when I was watching, I was like, oh, he's doing a really good job. He's really intense and really intense. And then just at the end, you can see him do that little fucking corpse thing that he always does, <laughs> where he nearly laughs. It's like, hey, you've been doing this for years. How are you still nearly laughing at everything? I see title match. What the fuck happened? Daryl, you watched the end of this match. Yeah. What happened? Tell me what happened, because I don't know. And I watched it twice. Well, uh, what, what do you mean you don't know? I don't understand. Well, I don't really get... Like, what, how, what, what happened? So Marie smacked Bob Backlund. Yep, then... And then she pretended that Bob Backlund smacked her. And that's yep. why she was on floor screaming. Uh-huh. Bob Backlund went crazy old man psycho. Yep. Didn't yep. take his shirt off. Well, he tried to do it, but then braces were holding that fucking shirt on. I think they're meant to hold trousers up, but no, that is braces are two old shirts on, clearly. <laughs> so you had a fucking fight with your shirt. Yep. And then Darren Young locked in crossface chicken wing. Did it wrong, I think. I don't know. He did it somehow. And then he got disqualified or they got counted out. Yeah, the bell rang and yeah. then that was it. And then, they all and then he was look, looking at his hands in disbelief. style. In disbelief that, oh, he can... He can yeah, back on 94 style. Like. Yeah. That, um, that was the only bit of the match I, I liked, him looking at his hands. Yeah, like... but doing making Darren Young great again. Firstly, you've got to be great to begin with. <laughs> Secondly, I'm a big fan of Darren Young, but in a tag team with Titus O'Neil as primetime players. It, this thing with Bob Backlund's like so forced and fucking shit, I don't get it. It's a bit weird. He needs more Bob Backlund, if anything, because he's mental. No, he just need, he needs Bob Backlund to be paired with somebody else. Him paired with Darren Young doesn't make sense. He should it, be with Golden True for something. No, like I, I don't know. I think he should be with like Chad Gable. Mm. Ooh, I think that that would work. Ooh, you'll be popular with the indie indie <laughs> independent Twitter lot. By the way, we love you all, uh, all of our fans. We we really like you all. Oh yeah, six man with the club and uh, Enzo, Cass, and John Cena. Enzo's promo at the beginning of this was amazing. It was. Although, did yeah. they try to censor the word crap? Yeah. yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Why? Because then they didn't censor it again two seconds later. I was like, why? They, they actually censored out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Enzo and Cass are really over, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, there, was, there was one thing. Is Enzo, or is it Enzo that's over and Cass is over by association? Uh, maybe, but I, I think peop- I think there's a tendency at the moment to give Cass a hard time uh, because they're giving him such an easy ride on the commentary. I think the co- like the commentators are really putting him over maybe to uh, too much of a level. And I think because of that, the reaction from sort of fans is to go, oh, he's not that good. He's not. I think he's just somewhere in the middle. He's quite good. He's better than a lot of people who they bring up. He's more confident on the mic than a lot of people bring up, but he's not as amazing as they make him sound on the commentary. It was, and he's not as good as Enzo, but that's speaking not Speaking about the commentary as well, did you notice that Byron finally got one over on JBL during this promo? No. Uh, when uh, Cass was lit, uh, listing off all the stuff, and he's like, don't eat yellow snow, all that random stuff. And he said the thing about don't make eye contact with someone while eating a banana. And Byron Saxon's quickly went, you taking notes, JBL? <laughs> <laughs> I did hear <laughs> like, that. Oh, I finally that. got one over him. Like, the bullying's over after tonight. <laughs> The only the only thing I the problem I had with this match, um, aside from the finish, which was a little bit weird, but I can sort of understand it. Uh, there was some very poor telegraphing of spots. There were a few points at which people were sort of stirred around, <laughs> turning around, like oh, and now we turn around and this happens, and now we turn out. So it takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah, and also seeing a pin AJ, which seemed a bit weird. But even a tag match, so it's a bit more like yeah. But well, why? Big it, Dave it, seems to think that there's big plans for AJ. That's why he got beat because it's fifty fifty booking. <laughs> Big Dave seems to think AJ is going to do something big at SummerSlam. 
good logic. It'll be him and Cena again, surely. Yeah. Although, well, I, I guess by actually by this point, just to clarify, we we've not had time to watch SmackDown. We've had to record early this week, so by this point, we might actually know what they're doing at SummerSlam between Cena and AJ and possibly Dean Ambrose, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's triple threat for the belt. Possibly. I had that real. This was great. It was, <laughs> but my first thought was, when will Chris Jericho go away again? Really? Yeah. So he did. Oh. Get, it's another one of these things where I, uh, that was my judgment, and then later on, I sort of got into him a bit more. But I, I sort of thought he's been around. You know, when he's been saying to people, "Yeah, never wrestling full time again. Never, again. never doing that again." How long has he been around now? Like six months. Isn't yeah, that he, he's just giving you the gift of Jericho. Oh, so drink the, the thing Jericho, yeah. in, man. When he's like the really cringy baby face, you get sick of him, and then he he slowly turns heel and stuff, and he starts doing stuff, and then he becomes really likable because of it because he's he's so funny and everything, and it's like this is the wrong way. So yeah, it's just a bit annoying with Jericho with that, but I really enjoy his heel character, and I'm enjoying him more than I have previously for a long while. Randy Orton was really good in this. Yeah, I I didn't like him in this. I was like. I why I know why I know why because Randy wait. Orton seemed genuinely happy and seemed to be no. enjoying himself. It was Daryl's immediate thought it was, was fuck it was that a guy. Whole thing of... Shut up! I'm talking. Daryl's immediate thought was fuck that guy. Stop <laughs> enjoying yourself. Isn't that right? Go on, you can talk. Am now. I allowed to talk? Now? Yes, do I have you your are. permission? Yes. I don't. I don't want to talk when I don't have permission. Oh. Can I? Yeah. I don't matter. Carry on. I said yeah. I said yeah. It's, it's got a bit awkward now. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl doesn't like the Viperville thing, I think. Is that it? Nod yet, nod for yes. Why don't we just move on? Yeah. <laughs> it's got a proper ass on now, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I did like Jericho's bit as well about um Stephanie McMahon. He kept saying Stephanie McMahon, who I've always liked, never had any problem with, and I really enjoy working with. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Also, Randy ripping uh Brock Lesnar for taking steroids when Randy has two wellness policy violations. Yeah, aren't they for weed? Yeah, probably, but either way, it's still a bit like, oh, you, you bloody love drugs. <laughs> like, you've been caught twice on a system that's designed to not get you caught. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> then the main event was the Shield three-way for for the title. So this was the one that started off with, you saw the Raw locker room and the SmackDown locker room. I thought they were telegraphing for a fuck finish, but obviously yeah. that's not what happened. I felt like this match was pretty disappointing. Ah, I thought it was pretty good. It was... I just saw the power bomb through the table. So <laughs> there were some good spots in it. There were some things I liked. I just I felt like ultimately for what is essentially a match that people have been waiting a long time to see, it fell a little bit flat. Now I don't know how much of that is to do with the fact that Roman was away for the build, but he's been on the donuts while he's been away a little bit. He looks mm-hmm. a bit chunkier and stuff now. Probably because like you know he doesn't have the fat burners anymore, so you know <laughs> that, that, he's probably eating the same. But he's like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like when you're not. Like, he, he piled on the pound you... since he come off the smack. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I did think just when you mentioned about the power bomb through the table, I did think the callbacks to the moments of the shield worked well. The mm. power bomb through the table and then uh, Seth smacking Dean with a chair—that was all quite clever, and that worked yeah. into yeah. the finish pretty well. I wanted, and I know it wasn't going to happen. But I wanted Steph to screw Seth out of the title. I wanted somehow them to figure out a double turn, have Steph back Roman instead of Seth, and then that way you've got a number one baby face and you've got the number one heel. 
Because he's going to be a heel anyway, isn't he? Yeah, it seemed like they were still trying a little bit with him, but they, I think there's no way after that match they haven't realised that, yeah, it's fucked. They're trying in a sort of perfunctory way now, aren't they? They're trying. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, oh, no, we're trying. Out of but, obligation. Oh, yeah. It's... We've already spent money on you. Dean Ambrose won. Yeah. The world title stays on SmackDown, which leads us to Raw. Very briefly, I want to talk about Raw. A universe is bigger than the world. The WWE, yeah. <laughs> Universe is being the world, so we've created the <laughs> Universal Championship, the WWE Universal Championship, which was uh, what we're leading to being created at SummerSlam, which must disappoint you, Daryl, because that uh. that silver winged eagle belt that we saw definitely said WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, they they could just put Universal in it, though, couldn't they? Like, I hope so. Yeah, I'd rather see that. But I've got a feeling that it'll not be that belt. I don't. I don't think it'll be that belt. I don't think it will either. Now. I think it's it's gone. Yeah. Plus, plus they've done this. I just don't think it will be. So I'm, I'm setting myself up with disappointment. Have you seen the belt yet? Mm. Oh no, I did. I did see it. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. a silver winger. Is it that one? Yeah, yeah silver yeah, sort yeah. of winged eagle. Pretty nice. Sort of yeah. yeah. A shame. Ben Balor, what a debut! Yeah, like that. I, I managed to watch the full Roman Reigns match, and that was pretty good. And it was a great performance for him. I watched um, both the four ways before yeah. that as well. Obviously, Balor won and Roman won. Actually, everything that I predicted on our Twitter. Again, twitter.com slash pod came true. Well, apart from I predicted Seth to screw Roman out of the main event, which was yeah. wrong. But once again, Roman lost Roman lost clean twice <laughs> in a row. Like, it couldn't be more obvious. Well, at over. the start of the show, didn't Stephanie like, like motherfuck <laughs> Roman Reigns? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, she did, yeah. Uh, also, uh, uh, as I was going to mention earlier on, Sasha Banks won the Women's Championship. Yeah. It seemed a bit hot shot, but I'm happy. It was Same one of these things, even the things that I didn't necessarily like as much on the show with Raw, I got why they did them and I was okay with it because it felt like it was for a reason. Even with something like that, I was like, well, I'd rather have seen it at SummerSlam, but I get why you've done that. Mm. Similarly with the new logo and stuff, the new, like we've, we've criticized the new logo, but I hate actually, it, yeah. in the animatics, it didn't look as bad and they've changed the set a little bit. So it at least looks a little bit different to what it was before. It's got a lovely Wembley arch on it. It's got a Wembley arch <laughs> on it. And, um, the theme tunes changed as well, so thank God we got rid of that bloody. Tonight's the night, everybody get loud, everybody get down. Tonight's the night. Can you do a song, sing the new one? Because I've not heard it. No, I, can't. I genuinely can't. I don't know. Uh. Um, <laughs> the guy in the Braun Strowman squash match was the ugliest jobber I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. I see a he had no chin. In, yeah. He had yeah. no chin. He's not got the best name of a jobber, has he? No, not really. Can you do you know what the best name for a jobber is on WWF TV? Jeff Harvey? Nope. Nick Nick Failey? Nope. Ken Raper. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual oh. actual jobber name. <laughs> so that was raw. <laughs> Tune in after the break when I'm going to be talking about my best three SummerSlam matches of all time. The best looking man. The best dressed man. Long limousine. Jet airplanes, custom-made clothes, and any woman in the world I want. The nature boy! Daryl. 
that was <laughs> truly inspirational. Yeah. You really tested out the limiter and stuff on there. Then. Jesus, that's that what was... I meant to do. Test out the you, limiter. You've broken the noise gate, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, I kicked first. that mother down. Oh, watch it. <laughs> Shush. Now you've done your thing. Summerfest, it's my turn. I am going to be talking about my three favourite matches of all time from SummerSlam. With my two compadres, Dan and Daryl here. You both watch these matches as well. So we're going we're gonna to break them down. We're going to say what makes them so great. So my first choice, this is from the same year that I started watching wrestling, which is 2001. You're just a baby, aren't you? I am really, yeah. I mean, I've gone back and watched a lot of stuff now that the network exists, but at the, yeah, really, this was like... Because you're older than me, and yeah. I watched it like from 1993. Yeah, exactly. You were a lot, what, like three? Wait a minute, four? Yeah. I got my been... first wrestling figure in 1993, and that's when I started watching wrestling, yeah. You'd have been about like two year old. Well, I was three. Well, I was three in September 93, yeah. 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 Fuck no. <laughs> Child abuse on the Royal Grumble podcast. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff my parents let me watch, I probably shouldn't have done at the age I was at, but fuck it. That's why that's why I'm like I am. If you do the math there, you can figure out that he was probably about eight or nine during the Attitude Era when he was almost certainly watching everything anyway. Yeah, I was watching the artist formerly known as Gold Dust, like as it happened. So I was about seven. <laughs> uh, now one of your favourites. Yeah. This match is the WWF Championship match from SummerSlam 2001. It is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kurt Angle. It was rated four and a half stars by Figure Four Weekly and Wrestling Observer Online. No, I'm sorry, it wouldn't, sorry, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. It wouldn't have been online at the time. And it is from the second pay-per-view into the Invasion Angle. <laughs> Go on. It's just the Invasion Angle. It's a bit funny. <laughs> it is in general. See, this is the thing, because I hadn't really been a fan until 2001. I started with WrestleMania 17. Oh, no, I tell lie. It was No Way Out 2001, but I didn't actually watch that. I watched WrestleMania 17. And... Went on from there, just thinking, oh, th- oh, this is amazing. This is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst people like you who'd actually watched the whole of 2000 who probably really enjoyed that were probably thinking, this is all shit. What's we live through Lex Luger, Diesel's title run, <laughs> uh, Shawn Michaels trying to be babyface. <laughs> just- yeah, yeah. But more to his point, like, I think even as younger fans, we were thinking when it was the invasion, we were thinking, right, well, fucking Goldberg, Sting, DDP. Canyon. <laughs> buff Bagwell. Yeah. Totally buff. Yeah, so for me, this was great. I really enjoyed this. And I remember it being like a massive deal at the time for me and my friend, my friend across, across the road, Liam, who used to watch wrestling as well. And he was really into Stone Cold. And I actually wasn't into Stone Cold as much as he was. <coughs> but these were two of his favorites were Stone Cold and Kurt Angle. I think a lot of that was due to this match. Because he could watch it straight away. He had Sky Sports. I didn't, so I had to watch it on tapes when he finished watching it. And uh, so some of my favourites were the sort of ones that you would see showing up on Heat, like, you know, Scotty Too Hotty and Dean Malenko. And, oh, <laughs> I thought Crash Holly was really good. <coughs> so you, 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 me and you would have been good friends back then. We would have been. Because like, I like all the shit ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> so this match, just as Daryl alluded to, started with the... Uh, the bodies video. Now this was this is a song they used. To, you remember it basically every pay per view they'd be like, "Oh, have we got a pay per view theme." No, just use drowning pool. Well, it. So I watched the start of the show and it is 
let the bodies hit the floor. Yep. And then obviously the song before the match, let the bodies hit the floor. Yep. This well, the, it was a theme for this show. That was the first time they used it, and then they just used to use it all the time. They used it for ECW One Night Stand two thousand five. They used it for ECW One Night Stand two thousand six. They used it for the ECW show until Chris Benoit killed his wife and child. Then <laughs> we just gloss over that. And then I don't think they've used it since. I'm sure it was Stephanie's theme at one point during the invasion as well. She came out to it before this pay-per-view because she was like, oh, this is the pay-per-view theme for SummerSlam. Right, okay. And, and I, I, it's going to be, Rhino's going to beat Chris Jericho. He didn't. Of course he didn't. Chris Jericho's the best. Everyone knows that at the time. <laughs> so, Austin, now, I, tell me, because I obviously I didn't watch it. I don't remember watching it specifically at the time. Obviously, I watched it on uh, video or whatever. Like that. On the network, Austin has that weird theme. Yeah. Is that edited mm. over his Disturbed theme? Which or is No, it... his Disturbed theme was later when he came back from... Uh, well, I'll stop you right the there. Kushin. It wasn't his Disturbed theme was before that because it was, was it an the invasion. The American Psycho one? It, wait, what? is it... Uh, the, the, what's the one of forcible entry? That's the American is, Psycho is that Disturbed? one, disturbed? Yeah, that was... Okay. He was definitely using that as early as WrestleMania 17. I thought he, he didn't use that until he came back for the Rikishi stuff and... The Rikishi stuff was 2000. The Rikishi stuff was a year before. Was it? Time. Yeah, oh, fuck. My timeline's fucked. Fuck okay, now. Bloody <laughs> this guy, eh? I've just bashed my mic stand. <laughs> yeah, so it, you're right. He did use this disturbed theme when he came up for the Rikishi stuff, but this was before the invasion. Yeah. But he's, he's using that really weird sort of fast... Yeah. I want to say that it is what he used. I'm pretty sure it is. Because I do know he did have a different theme at some point. I mean, it's logical because, like, if you want, if you want to get him booze, well, for a start, take away one of the coolest things about him, which is that theme. Yeah, because like that theme immediately makes people cheer. Whereas, like, you take it away, and he's got this weird sort of fast guitar music that doesn't really fit Stone Cold that we know. Yeah, Angle's out first, obviously. So then Austin comes out, and they have this really intense stare down at the start of the match, which I thought was really good. Angle doesn't even get in the ring, or. If he does get in the ring, he comes back out, and they've got this sort of stare down going on between Austin on the ramp and Angle outside the ring. And I thought that really added a lot of intensity to the match because this match is really intense. Yeah, it's and it's like a brawl from start to finish, which is probably not what people associate with Kurt Angle. But actually, what people tend to forget is that Kurt Angle is a really good brawler in terms of his in terms of his style when he would have um, different kinds of match. Uh, when he was at his peak, and I would say 2001 probably was his peak in terms of what he achieved in the World Wrestling Federation. And uh, like I say, I think it, it can be easily forgotten because he's such a famous collegiate wrestler, Olympic wrestler, all that, that he was really good in a sort of drag-out brawl, and that's what this match goes into. Like, there's blood, there's like false finishes, he kicks out a finisher after finisher. It does... It becomes one of those sort of Kurt Angle matches that he would become known for having. But at this point, I think this is maybe the peak of his popularity. Maybe not quite now. Maybe a little bit later on. Yeah. Um. When? Did, what year did he debut? Was it ninety nine? No, he debuted in ninety nine, but he had his. It was like late ninety nine, I think. Yeah, because Survivor Series ninety nine, and his first title run was in two thousand. That much I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, because it felt like to me, I, I was trying to remember back and. Like it seems like this was like the real moment when he became like a proper main event star, because he had this really good match with a guy who was the top guy. Like he was on his downfall by this point, but this seemed to be the match that really catapulted him. Like with the fact that he managed to withstand all the abuse he got in the match and like fight until the end. Yeah, 
just to go back to what I was saying about like myself and my friend, I remember specifically my mate sort of coming to talk to me about the SummerSlam before I'd had the chance to watch it. And he was like, I couldn't believe it. Like Kurt Angle, just, he wouldn't go down. He wouldn't. Because obviously like when you first start watching it, you you know that it's fake. Like you've been told about it, but when you watch it, you're like, well, it can't be fake. So how come <laughs> that you, you don't really- There blood in this one, so it's real. You know yeah. it's real. <laughs> Definitely. But like he was like, he wouldn't stay down. He kicked out of three stunners and he does kick out of three stunners in this match. And it, it it sort of makes him the top face. Well, I suppose he's not really a top face because you've got the rock there, but he was almost throughout the invasion angle. He was one of the, the top faces in the company. And that sort of culminated with his title win at, I think it was unforgiven, whatever the pay-per-view was after September the 11th, that was in Pittsburgh, obviously his hometown. It was when sort of, American sentiment was high. Um, that was where it all sort of culminated, and I think he lost the title a couple of weeks later or whatever. But this is where it sort of began for me as a fan, and it certainly began for you know people I knew as a fan of Kurt Angle as a top level star. Yeah. Even though you've been the champion, because I think part of the problem with this championship reign, from what I've gone back and watched, was that he wasn't ever booked as a proper threat. Am I wrong there, or...? Uh, I, I don't like, think I took him seriously. Yeah, he seemed like he would win on sort of technicalities and Stephanie McMahon and... Yeah, he was a heel, though, so like... Which is fun. No, I'm not saying it's a yeah. problem. I'm just saying I think there's an element of that that keeps you from being respected as a top guy. I think a lot of the problem with Kurt Angle as a top guy is that it, he's very good at comedy, and they tend to exploit that aspect of him like rather than he's he's really good at serious as well when they don't find a middle ground it is really weird to think that like as little as six or seven weeks before this intense you know hard-hitting rivalry (laughs) they were both wearing cowboy hats and playing guitars and (laughs) singing kumbaya singing kumbaya (laughs) and jimmy crack corn yeah and uh like fighting over who had the more hugs from vince yeah (laughs) which was brilliant but it's a little odd it's a little jarring in sort of contrast Angle, oh, I, I, so over in this match that there's a pro, there's a proper genuine roar when he when he gets the ankle lock yeah. inside the ring. Like he, I think he first applies it outside the ring, and obviously everyone knows nothing's gonna happen there. But when he actually gets the ankle lock inside the ring, the crowd really like roar. The cool inside. moment about the first ankle lock as well is that he's trying to get Austin into the ring while ankle locking him. Like he takes him up the stairs and everything. Like that was a really cool moment in the match. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed that and. Uh, Another shocking thing in this match, which those of you who remember Kurt Angle at the time will be Angle hits his moonsault. Yeah. Angle actually hit them, although I'm not sure he's supposed to because Austin sort of half gets his knee up, which is a bit weird. <laughs> but Angle actually hits that because like, he used to do this picture perfect moonsault, didn't he? Like, if you wanted to draw how someone would do a moonsault, that would be it. But every time he used to miss it or he'd like get the knee break up. Bob Ollie's arm. Break Bob Ollie's arm. His moonsault was like when you're playing the WB games and you're on the create a wrestler menu and you're doing the move set and it's got the little green man doing the move for you. That's what his moonsault looked like. It, it was spot on. It really it's, is like it's remarkable how uh picture perfect it really was. I always remember him doing it in that cage match against Benoit on Raw and like going off the top of the cage and that was probably the first time at which we sort of all realised, uh Kurt Angle's a bit mad, isn't he? Like <laughs> He's a bit of a not case. Yeah. So then this match ends with Austin just like smacks. Well, actually, I, I should say before that, Austin hits a stunner 
early, relatively early on, probably about halfway through the match, and goes for the pin and Angle kicks out. And that's quite a surprising moment. Then he hits the second one and Angle gets rolled out of the ring. So when Austin brings it, when he's eventually back in and Austin hits the stunner the third time, people are like, that's, a, that's over. So when he goes for the pin and Angle just raises that one shoulder, and I think a lot of it is the way that he kicks out. He doesn't kick out with force. He just sort of throws a shoulder up so you completely believe it, but people are like freaking out when that happens like people in the crowd are going absolutely mad like because it's unheard of yeah well it's because the whole product was over wasn't it like you won't really get that now and for like four years previous to this every time someone got stunned they stayed down pretty much apart unless Wrestlemania yeah yeah so this is someone not only staying not only not staying down for one or two but three and it really put over the idea that this guy was he was willing to go through anything he was willing to sort of die to win the World Wrestling Federation Championship back for his side so Hostin smacks Earl Hebner in the face, which I'm imagining you particularly enjoyed, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy that as well, because yeah. Earl Hebner's a fucking twat. <laughs> but it can get you some, some decent t-shirts right back at Arena later. <laughs> yeah, if anything, that should make you like Earl Hebner more. Yeah, but, but he likes to get himself over too much. That is true. And he does that horrible third, third count thing. Yeah. Where he's like, one, two. Oh, did, it. did you know his son can beatbox? Yeah, I, I don't know if you were aware. Uh, have they ever done that on TV all the time? Yeah. <laughs> did you know his son's in TNA? I did because yeah. he's in TNA. Because he's well. in TNA. Yeah. Do you know his brother was in TNA and all? Was he? Yeah, oh. they did a whole angle about it when they got Earl Hebner. <laughs> Classic TNA. We've got Earl Hebner, everybody. <laughs> We've got him. We've got the ref. And they got Rudy Charles in return. Yeah, who's better? Do you know the house shows when when they used to run house shows? They always used to do a spot where Hebner would get booed. And then even in towns where he didn't get booed at all, they'd still do the same spot. where So everybody would boo him and chant, you screw Brett. And then the spot is he takes the top, his referee top off and it says, you're damn right I did. And people can buy it at the merch stands. Yeah. So even when... Fuck Earl Hebner. <laughs> well, even when they weren't... Can they buy it at the merch stands or does he sell it I think to it's his car boot. Back? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, lads. Do you... <laughs> Do you want a wrestling t-shirt? Yeah. Live Earl Hebner merchandise. <laughs> but even when he, the crowd didn't react to it, they still did the spot. What? So no one's booing him. No one's trying to use screw Brett. And he just take his top off. And all it says is, you're damn right I did. <laughs> did what? Exactly. What a belly. So then he, um, he ball shots Angle in front of, uh, in front of the new ref that's come down. It's Mike Kyoto, who he then stuns. <laughs> And then it's like it's basically a who's who of the referees that I actually recognise because it's mad, isn't it? That I can name all of those referees from that time. I couldn't name a single one now apart from Charles Robinson. Oh, is Kyoto still in it? No, I tell that. I think Kyoto's still in it. Yeah. So I could name two refs now. I don't Drake know. Younger, but not that's not his name in WWE. Plus, he's not even in the main roster. He's, There's eyebrows. He's not even the main roster, though. Eyebrows does team. main roster stuff, doesn't he? Who? I don't know. Oh, I just is. meant Drake Younger. Uh, okay. There's there's a referee who's got very well manicured eyebrows. Jack Doan, that's one I can name. Let's name referees. There, no, not now. Yeah. Teddy Long was a referee back Teddy then. Teddy Long was a referee. Tim White. Well, this is what I was about to say. He then goes on. Tim White turns up and he belt shots Tim White. <laughs> so then who should turn up but evil WCW referee Nick Patrick. So after this, Angles hit the angle slam on Austin, got the cover. Patrick slides in as if he's going to count the pin and then he calls for the disqualification, which, I mean... I get why they did it. It's a shit finish. But the psychology of it is pretty good because they were really putting over that Austin was desperate to retain his title and that Angle wasn't going... Angle was absolutely not going to quit. He'd kicked out three stunners. He wasn't going to... He was. You were going to have to kill the guy. 
to win the title. So Patrick saves his team by throwing the disqualification out. And of course, Angle then chucks the ankle lock on uh, on Nick Patrick. Yeah, and JR, break his damn ankle. Yeah, JR, after this, gets right in Paul Heyman's <laughs> face. fucking psycho. <laughs> it is brilliant, though. Because like, Paul Heyman's like, it, Paul Heyman plays a brilliant heel commentator here, and he's like, yep, Kurt Angle deserved to win that match because Austin was attacking the referees, and that is absolutely the wrong thing to do. So congratulations to Kurt Angle and then JR turns around and says but but can he beat Austin look me in the eye can he beat Austin though look me you can't look me in the eye and say that he can't beat Austin and then Paul Hamer's just sort of got his head down and it's like alright mate just chill out, chill out we've got another match to call mate, this isn't real there's a script in front of you but I just think you don't have to wear that hat <laughs> he does Vince makes him because <laughs> he's good old JR <laughs> First night in, wear that toga. <laughs> Why are you? Are you all wearing toga? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. We wear it. Yeah, mine's in, mine's in my dressing room. You know, Vince is older than Jr. And apparently, that really pisses him off. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the sort of thing that Vince would get pissed off at somebody. You're older than me, and that's I'm, I'm older than you, and that's annoying to me because I think you should be older than me. You know, one of the things in this, about this match that surprised me, blood. Like that amount of blood in the match doesn't do much for me in general. It, I think it's because I've kind of been conditioned after all these years now. A little bit of like blood's fine, but like that was clearly like a blade job and it was a bit over the top and it just did nothing to add to the match for me. I thought it was a really good story and like it was beating on him, but it was just a bit over the top. Yeah, I get what you mean actually. I saw, yeah. I agree with you. It's like I, I get annoyed at people who are like, oh, the PG era, why do you go? Because like the impact of stuff, the more you do stuff, the less it. Has impact. We talked about this before. Yeah. I think I've talked about like ECW and ICW and stuff like that. And whilst you know I respect what those companies do, I think there's an issue of if you do it too much, people don't care as much, and then you have to do even more shit until something really bad goes wrong. But you're right, actually. I, I it did sort of settle a little bit uneasy with me as well. Daryl, how did you feel about this match? I liked the blood. Okay, well, <laughs> apart from just the blood, I like I like the match. Yeah, I thought this was all the blood. Um, yeah, I like the match. It was good. I like JR getting emotionally involved in it because, like, you won't really get that today. No, that's really. I, missing, I mean, isn't it? maybe he's a bit over the top, a little bit, but like, you actually think when you're watching it, like, I even at the time and now, I always get the impression that JR fucking hates Paul Heyman. Whether he does or not, I don't know that, but that pairing. I like that pairing more than JR and the King. And JR and the King's like what I grew, grew up with. But JR and Heyman, you just get that feeling that Heyman's just be, there being a smarmy twat. Yep. And JR, like, fucking hates him. I think at the time, like, Paul Heyman will even say nowadays, at that time, he was a smarmy prick to people. Yeah. Like, he really was. So maybe it's genuine heat. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it's not a detriment to the product where, no. like, when Jerry Lawler were ripping piss out of Matt Stryker and stuff like that. That was like, oh. JBL Byron. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, you're distracting from the products. But because these are like two rival companies, if you like, or factions or whatever that you class them as, um, WWE and uh, the Alliance, yeah. Um, it sort it works, but it also because they're talking about Austin and not talking about, oh, but you said this wrong. It <laughs> did you mean Legario? <laughs> <laughs> Callbacks. How to do commentary <laughs> properly. So that was 2001. That was the year that I started watching wrestling. Now we're moving on to 
my next pick, which is my sort of second favorite SummerSlam match of all time. Again, it's a fairly recent one, as you can probably imagine. This is the WWE Championship match from SummerSlam 2013. This is John Cena against Daniel Bryan with special guest referee Triple H. This is again rated four and a half stars by The Observer in 2013. And this is the kickoff, if you like, for the Yes Movement, as it were. Well, maybe not the kickoff for the Yes Movement, but this is the kickoff for Daniel Bryan's push to the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. It begins with Shawn Michaels with a hobo beard. Yeah, I was, yeah. That, that was the day he turned up to work and Vince went, oh, we've got to put him on TV. <laughs> he's wearing like, he's wearing like camo stuff. He's got a, a, a sleeveless camo, yeah. like zip up top thing. Body warmer. Yeah. Just ca- say it, body yeah, warmer. Camo hat. <laughs> Massive hunting beard. <laughs> he just, if he, if he wanted to turn up to a show to go to Vince, I'm never wrestling again. That's the look he went for, and he achieved that. Just in case Vince was like, "Oh, Sean, do you want?" Oh no, you know what? No, I've changed my mind. To put this into perspective, he used to be called the Sexy Boy once. Let's just let's just think about that for a second. Did Playgirl and everything? He did. I had the poster. What? Wait, what? what? Did, have I not told you this story? No. Have I never told you this? No. Right. Okay. So, um, there, there was a poster, and um, it was him laying down naked, but he had the winged eagle belt covering his bollocks right so my dad used to buy me Raw magazine and WF magazine and we were in whatever news agent we were in and I was like oh can I get the latest magazine and he went yeah yeah whatever because I was like it's got a Shawn Michaels poster in it now wait I'm seven (laughs) so let's not make it weird I just wanted a Shawn Michaels poster what's more weird is the guy who sold you this magazine (laughs) wait my dad picked it up when I went and bought it. So it's not Playgirl magazine, but it had a post, a post from Playgirl, right? So we get home, and I said to him, oh, "Can you put it up in my room? Because where where I wanted it in my room, I couldn't reach." So, and the reason I know this is because I can only just reach it now uh, as an adult. <laughs> so he must have put it up because I I would not have been able to reach. So he put it up, and that's fine. However, the reverse of the poster, which wasn't on display, is the reverse of Shawn Michaels. So you can see his ass. And my dad thought, this is fine to put up. <laughs> Either that or he just thought, you know what? Yeah, he might just be embracing the gay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very good that your dad was so supportive of you at that age. Yeah. And like, you know, I think more parents should be like that. And, yeah. you know, that their sons were or, seven-year-olds. Yeah. Or if you think your kid's gay, it might, it might not be. So if you, if, you, <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you hate gays, don't give him an hard time. <laughs> just, just let him have Justin Bieber poster topless. It's fine. It's my advice. <laughs> For like bad dads, it's my advice. If you hate your son because you think he's gay, don't. Daryl's bad dad advice yeah. on Royal Grumble Podcast. It's it's another it's another spin-off podcast we're doing. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Bad Dads Anonymous. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, hell. Brad Maddox was involved in the build to this mismatch. I bet nobody remembered that until they watched the no. uh, Mad Braddox. Mad Braddox. That's the name he tried using on the Indies. Oh god. Do people book him? Apparently so, yeah. Who books Brad Maddox? Mind you, like a lot of the people that I would go, who books that person, Daryl, you would have on every show that you could possibly run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn? Definitely. Well, of course you'd have them on. You need someone to job out. Techno what? Team 2000? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, you're naming good teams. <laughs> <laughs> So Triple H is a special guest referee for this. And I remember you and I, because we watched this 
we watched this at my house or your house? Either way, we've definitely watched it. Did we watch live. this live? Okay, hundred percent. Yeah, this is during and my wilderness years. Oh, his wilderness years. Look, I've made a pig <laughs> yeah, happen now. He, he, grew, he grew a beard like Shawn Michaels. Still got it. <laughs> he went to, went to shoot some animals. He, he didn't do that. No. He, he wouldn't. No, he just goes fox hunting, just in case. <laughs> He's a awful human being. <laughs> so. I remember we were talking about this at the time. It was like, yeah, but why is Triple H the ref? Yeah, it was very like obvious when the summit was going to happen. But the way they did it worked out all right. And I remember saying to you, and I came up with my own theory behind it, and I'll go on to it when we get to the end of the match, why I thought they might have done it. But the odd thing seeing Triple H is that um, he, 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 he does the match in his boots. Yeah. He's wearing like... I don't know if they're like suit trousers like, or if they're like tracky bottoms. I think they're like they're either tracky bottoms or like cargo pants, aren't they? Yep. Think. Yeah. But he's definitely got them tucked into his wrestling yeah. boots. But they weren't even his proper wrestling boots, they're like boxing boots as well, like training boxing boots. <laughs> Alright. But if we're gonna talk about wrestle fashions and referee fashions, yep. Shawn Michaels ref- refereed a match once in like a oh, like a banana hammock. So Alright. That post has brought did... back so many memories yeah. for <laughs> Many yeah. memories of Shawn Michaels. I think I might be gay. Nearly, yeah. Well, for Shawn Michaels, though. Yeah. HBK. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when they did that on the parody of the uh, parody of the corporation? Yeah. <laughs> Can't talk about any of the other parodies, though. Some of them are racist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back onto my match. This is my week. It's my birthday in two days. Is it? I'm going to get back. At- yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's my birthday on Tuesday. I legit haven't got him anything. Oh. That's another year Again, Fuck. don't worry about it It's fine told us this time. Yeah. Bloody idiot Anyway, so this match starts off st- First of all, they make a mention of the fact that John Cena had a was It, was, it wasn't a rotator cuff, was it? it was so he had like a golf elbow. He had a golf ball on his elbow, weren't it? Yeah. That's what it were Yeah. They make a mention of that, even though I'm pretty sure that he Like he was given the option to not do the match And he said, no, I want to do the match And then yeah. I'll go for my surgery because it's John Cena, he probably came back in like 20 minutes after the surgery. He's like, oh, well, I'm fine, what happened? <laughs> Waving his hand around. But they make a mention of that at the start, and then he's they start off chain wrestling, and it's very obvious how pro Daniel Bryan and anti-John Cena the crowd is. I don't know how typical that was of LA anyway, but I know that Daniel Bryan's from the West Coast, so I'm guessing that will have been a huge part of it. And Cena always does really well in these circumstances. Yes, like the RVD match, the CM Punk match, he really thrives in these situations. He's really great at being a foil for a more popular babyface. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say he's really great at healing it up because I don't think. It, like, no, he's he's still he's still John Cena. Yeah, but he does he plays really well off someone who's a lot more popular in certain arenas. Well, just for example, like quite early on after they've been training wrestling for a little bit, uh, one of the first things he does is he ducks out of the ring, like giving himself time. But then I think the the doctor comes across to him and he's like, no, my arm's fine. I'm, I'm fine, just sort of leave me alone. And he goes back in. So it's like it, for a heel would obviously sort of go out and be like, oh, my arm's really bad. Come and take a look. Oh, I don't know if I can do this match. But Cena sort of finds a way to be slightly sort of subversive whilst also still being John Cena, never give up that yeah. guy. Then uh, what, one thing as well, I meant to say this when we were talking about Triple H, was there's little focus if any there's very little focus on triple h during the match yeah i forgot he was refereeing it a yeah. one bit <laughs> uh, well i forgot before i when i actually nominated this when you said you need to name three matches i forgot he was a special guest referee until yeah. i've gone back and watched it since 
if I'd thought about it harder, I obviously could have remembered, but it's it's really good how there's very little focus on him and he actually just does refi. He doesn't get into arguments with everybody. He doesn't he doesn't tend to draw the focus. I think that's really good for how it ends. Absolutely, yeah. Because if he'd have started healing it up at some point during the match for no reason, then it would have really telegraphed a lot of what was going to happen. But also from the build-up video, because I don't really remember exactly what happened, but Vince wanted to put Brad Maddox in, weren't he? And then Triple H came down and was like, no, I'm going to ref it straight down the middle kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So like, because he said that and then he, he does that, I think that adds to the end a lot more. The, f- the funny thing is what he said was, he didn't say I'm going to call it straight down the middle. He said, I'm going to ref it and I'm going to be the be- I'm going to do what's best. <coughs> best for, the- for business. I is don't that think what- he does say best uh, for business because I think I would have noticed that. But he says, I'm going to do what's right. So obviously in your head you think, oh, what's right is calling it right down the middle. Of course, yeah. what's right isn't necessarily calling it down the middle. Is it? So, On the graphic for the match as well, Triple H, it's not his uh, fully <laughs> sh- shaved head. It's you near know, you know, the first geeky haircut he had when he cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's going to live forever. <laughs> Excellent. Daniel Bryan puts John Cena in the STF in this match. I think just to prove a point. Yeah. I, I bet he wrenched it on and went, this is how you put it on. Definitely. Whispering in his ear. Yeah. This is how you do it. Yeah. John, you're always doing it wrong. Yeah, but that that's what I don't understand. Like, he, you can have, have all your criticisms of John Cena you want. He's a really good wrestler. Yep. But it's that STF. How does it, like, the very first time you put it on, surely one of ages must have pulled him to one side and gone, right, I think the first time he put it on, he did it right. Did he? Okay. Yeah. But like, because Austin on his podcast literally went to him, look, can you just do me a favour? Can you just tighten up that STF? He said, yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. Did he? No. 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 But he's done it since though. He's There's been a couple of times where he's like, he's proper like wrenched it on and they've been like, oh, John Cena's really wrenching on STF. I was like, why are they always doing that? <laughs> do you think he only wrenches it on for people that he doesn't like and he does it really <laughs> tight? Someone whose girlfriend's is eyeing up. Yeah. I really hope so. What? Uh, what's it? Oh, I forgot the guy's name. Completely, Kenny. Kenny. Kenny Dykstra, because yeah. he used to used to shag. Kenny Dykstra. That's a last Kenny one from the Spirit it. Squad. Yeah. That's it, it, he only knows that because that's probably in his matches next week. Spirit Squad versus <laughs> DX. Definitely. It's oh, Kenny, the second most successful member of the Spirit Squad. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being that person. <laughs> Jesus. At least the least successful can go. Well, they never liked me. The second most successful. <laughs> Fucking. Got a paycheck out. When the first, when the first most successful is Dolph Ziggler. You know you've done something wrong, Kenny. <laughs> so they have this moment as well in this match uh, where, oh, for, first of all, Daniel Bryan does a spider superplex. He uh, he gets him up, holds onto the ropes, and he flies flies off and does a, a headbutt, which I thought was really cool. That's yeah, I always love that spot. There are many parts in this match though where you watch it and go, yeah, this is why he's not wrestling anymore. <laughs> And I don't even think this is one of his worst matches for it either. No, the the worst matches are the ones where he comes back from a broken neck and still does all the fucking oh, spots. No. Jesus, why? Why did he? He did one change, I think, after he came back, which was for one of his like flying into the turnbuckle moves, he held onto the rope instead of not holding onto yeah. it. And that was it. If anything, it was worse than before. And that was his first match. He just flew over the top rope. Yeah, just did all his usual shit. It's sad to think now. Isn't yeah. It? When you look at him in that suit on SmackDown and see that he's dead behind the eyes, just remember he did that. He did that to himself. <laughs> well, yes, I was, yes, yes. I was gonna, I was gonna go on to mention that Cena drops Brian from the turnbuckle on his head. Uh, he sort of holds him up in almost a, like Brian goes. I think does he go to do a like a hurricane run on him? 
or Frankensteiner. <laughs> and then Cena almost ends up holding him in like a stars clash sort of position and then just fucking <laughs> drop. It's really bad to watch. Really painful. Uh, and then he puts him into his own STF view. And then there's a bit towards the end, which I really like, which actually, if, if you sort of break it down, maybe doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's Cena and Brian are just trading slaps, just smacking each other, and they're like talking to each other at the time. I think he's like, oh, come on, you got to hit me harder. No, you got to hit me harder. No, I ain't fancy you. What? <laughs> no, my, my twin's fair. <laughs> were they both shagging them at this time? Oh, no. Yes, they were, because it was on Total Divas. I remember that. They didn't make much of it. On the show. No, they'll probably talk about how like Nikki was complaining that her dress wasn't right or something and yeah. Brie said she looked like a slut she had a cleavage out or something stupid and yeah. Probably something like that. I watch that show every week. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You should do your own podcast about it. Not even kidding, like I series link it and everything. Total Daniel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got a name, there you are. I, I've legitimately... For our full brawl lineup. <laughs> I've literally full uh, brawl. This is bad. I've watched more Total Divas in the past year than I have Raw. That's really bad. We didn't even cover that show. <laughs> At least we've got an excuse. <laughs> anyway, this is the first match that Daniel Bryan does his flying knee strike. And that's notable because establishing a finisher against John Cena is both a really strange decision and a really brilliant decision. Well, they're not going to have John Tapp either. Well, no, but yeah. that's not my point. Oh, no, I get what you're going on. Yeah, but, like... yeah you do. <laughs> yeah, so listen. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. With your Brit Art t-shirt on. Ooh, spoilers. So yeah, this is the first match in which he uses the flying knee as a finisher, and because no one's expecting it, it he, he gets the pin out of nowhere. I remember watching it at the time, being like, holy shit, he's won. This, he's yeah, it was flying knee. It was like weird, yeah. fucking really weird. And But it was great. I mean, obviously they established that from then onwards, but if you're going to start using a new finish, a guy to pin is John Cena. That's a pretty good way of doing it, to be fair. Did he not? kick somebody in Ed once on Raw and pin him with that. Maybe. Just like a roundhouse kick to Ed. I'm sure that were... I've he got, will have done. Yeah, I've got a vague recollection of that and it was before this. So I think they were trying to test out some kind of striking finisher. But it was still shocking because obviously we weren't expecting it. Kind of like when Seth Rollins did that like shitty DDT in between oh, the curves on pedigree. Remember that shit flat <laughs> DDT that he did for one week before someone went, just get him using the fucking pedigree because that looked wang. I mean, this is another topic of another time, but I hate that he uses the pedigree. <laughs> I do as well, but <laughs> it's much better than that shit DDT he did that one match. Yeah, probably. As you mentioned before, the post-match is great because there's a whole celebration. Triple H raises his arm because I remember you and I watching it and they were really, they were going off the air. Like, Michael Cole's speech was like everything. It was it was literally two words short of goodnight, everybody. I, I'm pretty like on the when I watched it this time, it didn't have it. But I'm pretty sure the first time I watch it, they actually show the little logo on the screen as well. What they show at the end of the pay per view. Like, I'm pretty sure like the first time I saw it, that I don't remember that, but it could very well have happened. I might have got it confused with like something else that did it, but I think you might be confusing. I tell you what, I genuinely think it is. I think it's the NXT takeover where Sami Zayn wins the belt. Because as him and Kevin Owens are going up the ramp, yeah. they show the logo, and then Kevin Owens beats him down. But it, you felt like that's what was happening, and they played it just the right amount of time. Because I remember you and I talking, and you were like, well, why was Triple H the ref then? And I said, well, they're building him up now, aren't they? So this is him raising his guy's hand. This is like a symbol. They're going to use this in years to come and go, this is when Triple H raised his guy's hand in the center of the ring. Yeah. And then, of course, Randy Orton comes out, 
And they acted like they were going to tease it, and then he walks back away, and then Triple H turns around and pedigrees him. Yeah. <laughs> Which was cool at the time, but when you consider it gave us the authority... No, I think that we hated this. Bec- I didn't. Are you sure? Because like, yeah. I'm pretty... Well, I think I hated it then, because I really wanted Daniel Bryan to be champion. The reason I didn't hate it, and I remember at the time, and he nearly balls it up, which I was going to go on to talk about, um, is we knew Cena was injured, so Cena was going to go away. I felt like this was them going, right, this is our program from summer now, and on we go. So I thought this is great for him, because not only has he won the title, he's been screwed out of it, he's got a direction, he's got a heel to face, and it's all going to work out all right. And then they <laughs> did the Battleground match and the other matches that they did. And they nearly fucked it up. And then thankfully CM Punk left. So cheers CM Punk, thank you. Once <laughs> Which again, forced them to do the right thing. Glad eventually. you left, mate, because frankly, this storyline with you would have been wank. Another thing about this as well is, did you realise that Randy Orton got the like WrestleMania, is it WrestleMania 17 or 19, the Booker T match? Because Triple H pedigrees him, and it's a little while of him giving him the briefcase and everything, and then pins him. It's 19. Nice. So yeah, he got the pedigree, you wait a while, so you think, oh, he's pedigreed him, but it's, it, there's been some time, he's had to do the briefcase thing, they've had to get, and then he pins him, and it's the free. It was seven seconds. Was it only seven seconds? It felt yeah. longer. It was seven seconds from him taking the briefcase. I know that much. Either way, if you work under the assumption that Daniel Bryan's just been through a whole match, yeah, and then been pedigreed out of, like, out of absolutely nothing. But Randy Orton does just pin him. He doesn't do any moves <laughs> or anything. Um, so I didn't mind it as much at the time. I get why you did. And like I say, they nearly fucked it up. But it all came good in the end. I mean, in yeah. hindsight, there's two sides to it. Where one side, you got the Daniel Bryan story, eventually led to WrestleMania, thanks to CM Punk fucking off. And it was fucking great. On the other side of it, we got the authority angle that never fucking ended. And Yeah. It also led to that really stupid finish where Shawn Michaels was the ref and he super kicked yeah. Daniel Bryan and they were like, oh, so you're going to have a match with Daniel nah. Bryan now? And he was like, no, I'm retired. Yeah. Do you remember, he, have you heard Shawn Michaels interviewed about this actually? And he said, I insisted that on Raw, Bryan put me in the yes lock and make me tap a lot because they were just going to leave it. And I was like, what, are you kidding? Because I think the suggestion was at the time they thought Shawn was going to come back for a match. And Sean was like, no, I'm, I'm never coming back for a match. I told you that already. I don't understand why you booked this, because I'm not coming back for a match. And he insisted yep. that Daniel Bryan gets some kind of retribution on him, because otherwise everyone's going to think we're going to have a match, and he never wanted one. Yeah, basically, they ring Sean every year and ask him to come back. Yep. And he says, no, I'm retired. <laughs> at, least for the like, fir- <laughs> at least the first few years after his retirement match, they rang him and said, well, can you come back for a match? And he's gone, no. <laughs> the closest he's ever got is this year when he came down and had that Six man tag yeah, match, but a, I won't really count that. Match, yeah. Match, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That confrontation. Yeah. Final thoughts on this match? It's a great match. Like anyone who's like been a Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan fan for years wanted to see this moment. So the moment was really cool when he finally won. You get the little thing afterwards and you think, oh, yeah, like you guys said, you're going to get some stuff afterwards. They nearly fucked it up. They ended up coming good. It's a great match. It was going to be on my list and then you picked it. So. Yeah, drafted it first. Yeah, to rip <laughs> up his paper. Daryl? Yeah, it's Daniel Bryan getting accepted, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's like what that. led to him being the being the guy, even for a, a very short period yeah, of time. Yeah, I just wish that it lasted longer, but yeah, obviously yeah. didn't. Absolutely. 
So we come to my favourite SummerSlam match of all time. You may not be too surprised to find out why this is my favourite SummerSlam match of all time, because I was there. <laughs> I was there in Brooklyn. You can see me on the DVD. I'm really clear. You can see my little face and everything and my fiance next to me. And this is Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker from last year's SummerSlam 2015 in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. This match was rated four stars by The Observer. And as noted before, I was there, bitches. So cool. Get you interested. I'm, uh, I'm flagging both of them off now, but they're not really that arsed. No. Nope. So some people might have expected me to pick John Cena against Seth Rollins from this show. A lot of people would be like, oh, that was the better match. Well, it was technically better. That match ended with Jon Stewart hitting a man with a chair <laughs> and not even doing it properly. So To protect Ric Flair. To protect Ric Flair's legacy. So aside from the fact that I'd never have picked that match over this match anyway, <laughs> it was never going to happen, was it? No way. It was a good match. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> it was like super finisher against finisher match, but it was good. Yeah, and Obviously, I really enjoyed it at the time. Went wild for it, like, but... At the same time, this was a match I wanted to see. This was a match that they were bringing me into the building for. We we planned to go anyway. Obviously, being in New York over summer and summer slams in Brooklyn, there was no way we weren't going to go. And we'd been to the takeover the night before. We went to Raw the night after. But this match was built for just a month before, actually. It was at Battleground 2015 that they built for it when Lesnar was about to win the title from Seth Rollins. The lights went down. And slightly logically, The Undertaker came out. And it was a bit like, well, why did you wait 17 months to get your revenge for the streak? But nobody sort of brought that up. And everyone was a bit like, this is going to be a bit shit until the night after on Raw. When they had that massive pull-apart brawl, Undertaker came out to attack Heyman. Lesnar fucking pelts it down the (laughs) ramp, smacks him in the face, and they, they spent about half an hour fighting. And Undertaker and Lesnar are just absolutely smacking each other. They've got all their, like, superstars and stuff trying to separate them and Lesnar yells at him I will kill you (laughs) and Undertaker yells back at him with mental eyes you're gonna have to that was the point at which I was like yeah I'm looking forward to seeing this match this is gonna be pretty good you can never beat a good pull apart brawl absolutely especially when it's done as well as that I remember they had to um, you remember they had to uh, like hog tie Brock's hands together no well basically they got them in the back and like they couldn't control them. Steph- Stephanie and Triple H were the ones trying to sort of break them up. They were like, "This is going to ruin our main event that they've ha- handed to us on a plate for SummerSlam. We need to do something about it." And basically, they had the security come by, come by and put like those cable ties on Brock's okay. hands, like handcuffs, and had to take him out. Like, and he kept going, "Don't touch me, though. Don't t- <laughs> put them on, but don't touch me." You'd be shitting yourself. You would. You would. Oh, fucking, can you imagine if you were like an indie wrestler posing as security guard and Brock Lesnar's like, "Don't touch me." I'd be like, "Fucking, no, no, do it like me." <laughs> I'm going to leave the arena rather than touch you. Yeah, Jesus. Well, uh, Fiat, this kind of goes back to something you said in the in your first match about why you'd pick this over the uh, Cena match. With Brock, Like, I think all three of us will have had a Brock match in our lists. I could have had three yeah. Brock matches and I chose not to. Yeah, exactly. And it's because, like you said, where you, you watched that match when you were a kid and you were like, oh, Fiat, they're saying it's fake, but how, how do they fake this and how do they fake that? And even at this age, you can watch Brock Lesnar and you still think he's beating the fuck out of him. And he, he gets that uh, suspension of disbelief out of you. And that's what makes him so... That's why he's a top guy. Yeah. Well, this is... I mean, this is what I was going to say. is like the, the reason this is my absolute favourite match is because of the intensity that these superstars bring. Like, it, you feel like this is a massive deal. 
even though it was, I mean, like I say, it was like 18 months removed from Brock being Undertaker. So theoretically, there was no reason, oh, well, why has he come back, blah, 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 blah. But it felt like a massive deal. Like well, being in Undertaker matches are a massive deal because he doesn't really Undertaker once against a year. Bray Wyatt a massive deal? Yeah, he wrestles mm, once a year. It yeah. wasn't. Uh, it, it was a big deal until he got in ring with that shitty haircut. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree. I, I think every, right. every every Undertaker match is a big deal now. I think he, well, you, no, you don't you don't know which one is going to be his last match. You like obviously you haven't, but you might have seen his last match because like Brock Lesnar could have murdered him. That's true. <laughs> I was considering that going into the match actually. Yeah, because like Brock does tend to pagger people. Have you guys? Sorry to break up. Have you guys seen the Paul Heyman video from his recent Q and A in the UK? I have. Yeah, where yeah. he's Danny he's kind of shit. He's kind of shit stirring. Yeah, Where you know saying, why that is though, yeah. because he's not under contract at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, oh, I can say what I like, and then next week when Brock comes back, he'll be like, oh, Paul, can you come back? Is oh. that why Paul Heyman didn't didn't get drafted with Brock Lesnar? Yeah. Like you're like Rusev got drafted with Lana and Mi- oh, okay. Yeah, basically they reckon it's not a problem. It's yeah. just they let the contract expire. Yeah. He will be back, but like officially, he doesn't work yeah. for them yet. So that's why he's sort of shit stirring um, <laughs> and claiming, oh, what if it was real? <laughs> This match has so many, like, first of all, Stone Cold's on the pre-match video package, which adds a lot to it, because instead of just being like, oh, Kofi Kingston says this match might be mental, it's, <laughs> it's like... It's Brooklyn Brawler about. <laughs> there's a real bloke, like an actual guy going, Undertaker's pissed off, Lesnar's pissed off, this match is going to be important, and you actually listen to him because he actually has a voice of authority about it. And I remember, I've actually got a video from my own phone of Undertaker making his entrance walking up he's got the cloak on he's coming through the ropes and Brock just runs across the ring <laughs> smacks him in the face and the fight Undertaker's fighting him whilst trying to get his cloak off and it's a fantastic start to a match where like the build up has been I will kill you you're going to have to so the intensity of the match is phenomenal and if anything when people saw that Undertaker and Lesnar were going to fight at, or face each other at WrestleMania 30 that match was a massive disappointment to a lot of people, apart from obviously the shock ending. And this, I feel like, is the match that they should have had, that they maybe wanted to have, in terms of that pure sort of slog out contest between two guys, where you you start to question what's real and what's, you know, worked. Um, they they're shouting at each other all the time, all through this match. Brock Lesnar shouts "Suplex City Bitch" about three <laughs> times. Uh, also at one point, just. Uh, Shouts across at Undertaker. Undertaker's lying on the ground and Brock goes, I'll kill you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then Undertaker gets up, spits in his face and says, you're going to have to again. Yeah. So. And then there's the great, great moment. Yes. <laughs> the laughing spot. Yeah. Which is <laughs> fucking brilliant. Because like, we were sat with Brock facing us and he's pissing himself. And then Undertaker does his sit up and obviously everyone pops. And... On the screen, we could see Undertaker doing that sarcastic <laughs> sort of laugh back at. Fucking brilliant. It's part of the reason why I love this match, because the, the, these two are characters, not only within the show, but they are larger-than-life people. And it comes across, you're, you're invested in them, because you really feel like they're, they're something different to everything else you see on the show. Yeah. And it's why it's more of the reason why I would pick this match over the Cena Rollins match every time. Uh, yeah, the laughing spot was awesome. Brock just looks like a killer. He looks like he like he's at this point he's got like his blood on his forehead dripping down. He's got like sweat dripping off of him, 
and he just there's one point at which he looks into the camera or he looks just off the camera and he in his eyes you're like he's gonna fucking murder him <laughs> gonna rip his fucking head off and shit down his neck now I want to get you guys opinion on the finish Daryl how do you feel about the finish uh do you remember the finish Right, the fitness, yeah, I did the, watch okay. it yesterday, but <laughs> okay. I fell asleep. Okay, so I'll, I'll, right, I'll, I'll. Is it? Oh, is it the um, right, triangle choke thing? Right. So here's here's the way yeah. it goes down. Um, Brock puts Undertaker in the Kimura. Undertaker taps on Brock's arm, but okay. the referee's calling. A referee's counting a pinfall at the same time. The timekeeper rings the bell. Yeah. Brock lets go, thinking he's won. The referee turns to the timekeeper, asks, why did you call it? Whilst he's doing that, Undertaker low blows him and puts him in the, uh, Hell's, the Gate. Hell's Gate. And then Brock passes out whilst giving him the finger, which is censored on the Blu-ray and censored on the network, which is shit. On the network, when I watched it, the first time he does it, it's not censored, but on the replay, it's censored. Oh, that's interesting. Well, on the, blue play, on the Blu-ray, yeah. it's censored both times, um, which is got him because that was a great visual. Yeah. As... A finish. I I I think it's creative, but it's too creative for their own good. Because mm-hmm. at what point in history of wrestling, not just WWE, as the timekeeper just decided, fuck it, I've seen him tap out ring bell. <laughs> like it's always, always we wait for the referee to to point to him to ring the bell. So that's what kind of takes you out of it a bit. I think that. Brock Lesnar and Undertaker have done all this good work both pre-match and then during the match and then you've got this thing of right well we need to keep them both strong somehow so how can we have Brock Lesnar lose but not lose yeah and I like that they were thinking of a way to do it I just don't like the way they did it and also where the timekeeper sat he wouldn't have been able to see it yeah that was the funny thing how did you feel about the finish at the time I remember because did we watch this together we did. Me, no, me, well, no, me, me, did. Yeah. me and you did. Yeah, because you, did. you two definitely yeah. watched it yeah. together. Yeah. Why <laughs> did you know that you watched it together? Well, wait, he was there. Yeah. So of course we, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, we, then, we how watched... did you know I was there? Be- Apart be- from the fact that you were there. Because he took a sign, remember? Yeah. That said what? <laughs> uh, Brock will pag you. Uh, what other the, the sign did I take? I believe the sign you took was Daryl is a knob. <laughs> but, um, what... Search for Daryl is a knob yeah, on yeah, Twitter. Search that on Twitter. But, Graham, um, what happened while you were in New York, mate? Um, What you mean, like? Well, it was an NXT match. And yeah, was, but what else yeah, happened? I, I asked I asked my fiancée to marry me. Yeah, and she said, she, yeah. She said yeah. So she then does. you had the fucking idiotic idea to ask me to be your best man. <laughs> think about that for a second. Yeah. You weren't thinking about that when you put that sign in air, were you? No. Wedding special is coming up, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to that one. So yeah, on the finish, like at the time, I remember like me and you both sat there like, well, what the fuck's going on? And at the end, we were kind of like, oh, okay. Watching it back this time in hindsight, I really enjoyed the finish. But you're completely right; it was more, it was too creative for its own good. Yeah. Well, can I give you like a sort of different perspective yeah. on it? Um, it worked brilliantly for us because we were obviously there. Like, I'm, I'm not doing it to be Billy Big Bollocks and show off. I'm just saying that being in the crowd, we had the bell ring, and Heyman rushes in the ring. Now, for the WrestleMania 30 match, what happens? What happened? Yeah. The bell rings. Everyone stands up. What the fuck has just happened? Heyman rushes in the ring, and then you hear the decision. Mm. But for this one, the referee sort of turns to the timekeeper, 
And it's like, oh, the belt. And we were confused for the at the moment. Then it was clear that the match wasn't over. And I feel, and then we didn't know what had happened until we saw the replay, at which point, and you can see it on the DVD, yeah. you can hear the crowd react. And I feel like that worked so much better for us. And that's why I probably enjoy the finish a bit more than you did, Daryl, and maybe less to a lesser extent than you did, Dan. I totally get where you're coming from from the timekeeper thing, because in terms of booking yourself into a corner in future world, why wouldn't he always do that? And I, I get that. But having been there in person, I feel like it worked better for me because I had no fucking idea what had happened until I saw the replay. And it was like, holy shit, he did tap. That's fucking unbelievable. I can't believe that. I can't believe. I can't believe The Undertaker would tap. And I can't believe then he would take advantage of that and smack him the bollocks and like, <laughs> choke him out. I am sad that they've got rid of the middle finger because that visual, I like. I don't know how much they censor on the network. Did they censor like old Stone Cold matches where he's got the finger? I guess not. I've noticed. I but... guess it would depend on what they're all categorized as, and this was probably like rated TV PG. Yeah, so they I think would have it is, to yeah. censor it to keep the PG rating. But I think it could have been one of those famous moments that they've probably chosen to censor for slightly, you know. <sighs> I, I don't want to rag on PG because I really do enjoy a lot of the aspects that it brings, but it just it upsets me that they've had to take that out. I mean, what's the finger think... gesture as well? Like, finger gesture in it. It's not like he's shouting, fuck you, cunt, while he's getting choked well, out. Well, exactly, it's yeah. Like, it's, yeah, right, language. Uh, but but it, it fits in with who Brock Lesnar is. Yeah. He's the fucking massive beast dude who won't be beaten by anybody. And if someone's really going to beat him, and he could tell he was passing out, he was like, fuck you. You're not going to tap out of me. I'll pass out rather than give you this the joy of submitting to you. And then he's out. So, I mean, I don't really feel like there's much more for me to say, but that's why, for me, the best SummerSlam match ever is Brock Lesnar against The Undertaker from last year's SummerSlam. And I don't expect it to be the same for either of you. And in fact, I know for a fact, Dan, you've got three different matches. Yep. And next week, it's your turn. It's Dan's Summerfest. Have you got anything else to say about the Brock Lesnar Undertaker match before we move on? No. Okay. Dan, Summerfest continues next week on the Royal Grumble. Tell us your three matches. I'll go in reverse chronological order because I feel like it's that it's, it's like three, two, one for me. Mm-hmm. So f- the first match we'll be covering will be Jeff Hardy versus CM Punk from 09, the ladder match. Um, the next match will be. Mick Foley versus uh, well, Mankind versus Steve Austin versus Triple H with Jesse Ventura as the special guest referee <laughs> from SummerSlam 99. And my number one match will be Bret Hart versus British Bulldog, SummerSlam 92, Wembley. I've only seen two of those matches, so one of those will be the first time I've ever seen it. So I'm looking forward to that. You look at it, I decided because there was other Bret Hart matches I was going to include in it. <laughs> I, I, I've put it down to one Bret Hart match for you. Uh, it's the best one. It's probably one that one of his best matches of his career. Very good. I'm looking forward to it. Should be an exciting show. And then the week after, we're going to have Daryl's match. Yeah, I think well. Brad wrestled Isaac Yankum at SummerSlam. So 95. Have, yeah, we might have that. We might <laughs> have decided that, yet. <laughs> My other one, the one that I was on the verge of was Bret Hart vs. Owen Hart steel cage match from 94. The Isaac Yankum match is better. It's good. <laughs> Trust me. On that bombshell. That's it. As I mentioned several times already, twitter.com slash royalgrumblepod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash royalgrumble. We are on the internet. Find us. 
royalgrumble.weebly.com all our G1 coverage that is currently ongoing is on the website yes it is you can read Dan's excellent G1 articles there I did a wrestling figure podcast once you can listen to Dan's (laughs) uh, sorry you can listen to Daryl's excellent action figures anonymous podcast on this very stream or find it at royalgrumble.podbean.com email us royalgrumblepod at gmail.com is that it have I missed anything probably yeah probably say goodnight Dan goodnight say goodnight Daryl goodnight Daryl thanks for listening see you next week Thank you.